Welcome to Leave Your Mark, where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page at Scott G. Langston. My goal is to create a community of people who take every opportunity to live high-performing lives. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice. It brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page. Reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems. Follow them at ReconditioningHQ on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or become a member of their Facebook group, Reconditioning HQ Revolution, and join the Reconditioning Revolution. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Alex Billido. Alex is currently a CA working for KPMG in Montreal. Before starting his career in the financial world, Alex was a mogul skier and was Canada's first gold medalist on home soil at the Vancouver Olympic Games and repeated his achievement becoming a double gold medalist at the Sochi Games. He has had an exceptionally successful athletic career and has now transcended his career into a life of business and finance. He is also quite involved in numerous charitable endeavors and gives back to his local community in Canada. I had the privilege of working with Alex for much of his career, and I'm honored to have him on the show today. Welcome, Alex. Thanks, Scotty. Hey. Um, you know, you grew up in, uh, in the mountains of um, Quebec, and when you think about your earliest reflections as a kid, what, what, do, you, what do you most, um, what most resonates in your heart about, about being in the mountains in Quebec and, and life in the winter and life in, in, in Quebec when you're a kid? I mean, uh, it's, uh, mountains in Quebec are smaller, uh, obviously, as you know, uh, in size, but uh, it, it, it's more of a family. Uh, we, we started it, uh, started doing that, that sport uh, as a family sport, um, and uh, everybody could go uh, in their own uh, runs, in their own uh, uh, place with the degree of difficulty that they wanted, and uh, we all meet uh, for lunch, and we all meet for dinner, and uh, it was literally a family a family experience and um, I think uh, that uh, in a sense is a bit more accessible in Quebec because everybody can just go as harder to do that in, in the west on the west coast where Whistler is so big that you don't leave your kids that are five years old and just go <laughs> uh, much so uh, but in here in Quebec that's that's that sense that you have um, and you could keep we could keep the family very close to each other uh, throughout the day uh, my parents could easily come and see where I was skiing throughout throughout the day, see my trainings, how it evolved. So, um, literally, it was it was a family experience, and I really appreciated that. Uh, that's on one sense. Obviously, skiing in Quebec made me a, a technically, uh, I think, a, a, a skier. That's uh, uh, all, all Quebec skiers are better on ice because we we that's where we grew up on. So, I think technically, it uh, definitely gives us a, a, a small edge. Uh, also, as we grew uh, we grew up and have a good basis on, on firm conditions I was um, privileged to get to know your mom and dad over time I'm just wondering <clears throat> what was the greatest gift for of character your character like what you carry forward as a human being that you got from your mom and then what from your dad do you think when you reflect on that um, I like to say I have uh, I have a bit of both uh, definitely like you mentioned um, I think 
I have uh, the character of my dad, but not always. When I'm get the very, uh, very, but I'm 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 somebody that's stubborn a bit, like my dad. When I have something in my mind, uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely there, and I'm I'm gonna hit that objective. That's for sure. Um, and uh, but uh, I've got I think uh, the temper of my mom, uh, and and I don't like fighting. I don't like. Uh, not saying that my dad likes fighting, but it's just my my mom likes. She's she's she wants to give uh, give all the time. She's somebody that's very genuine. She's she's an angel. She 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 had three kids, two that went on a national team um, and uh, skiing, um, and one that's uh, uh, unfortunately has cerebral palsy. Um, and she dedicated her whole, her whole life to his to his kids. Um, and still to, still to this day, my mom is spending, uh, uh, she, she works uh, full time. She doesn't have vacation because uh, her, her work is, is to take care of my brother at home. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, um, my mom is, is, is hope, hopefully I got that from her. Um, wanted to give back, wanted to be close to, 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 to people wanted to, to, yeah, I think that's, that's the side of my mom. Um, and the dedication of my dad, but I, I, I really deeply believe that my mom has that dedication too, but maybe, uh, she, she hides it a little bit better because, mm-hmm. uh, taking care of, uh, of, of your son that's, uh, has cerebral palsy for that many years and, and just never, never push him to, uh, to, uh, to some, uh, some, some homes or stuff uh, for her, her own, uh, her own care. Um, it's now I want to keep my, 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 my son next to me. Um, I don't want to, I don't need any vacation from my son. Um, that's her, her mentality. And, uh, yeah, so that's the type of person that, uh, I, I got surrounded at a really young age. That's beautiful. Um, you grew up in a family of three and you grew up, your older brother, obviously, um, uh, it's well known, had cerebral palsy. What, and has it, um, Fred, I've I've been lucky enough to meet Fred and spend some time with him uh, through working with you, and he's a great human being. Um, what do we sometimes not see in somebody who has something like that? Um, that's really his character and him, him as a human being, as your brother. Like, you know, sometimes that gets missed when somebody has that kind of disease. We don't we don't understand yeah. it. I know you you know and love your brother. What is what is what is really something cool about your brother? I think my brother, what my brother brought me, uh, brought me a lot, but I think what's really, uh, really significant for me is that my brother is, is his way of reacting, his way of actually grasping any opportunity, whether it's small or it's big. Um, my brother, uh, does, has dream. Like we all do have dreams. We have objectives for ourselves, for kids, for people around us. We, we do want uh, things and we do work for, uh, to accomplish some things. Um, but, uh, my brother has, could have dreams like having a family, having a job, but those are not realistic. I mean, he's totally aware of that. Uh, not only that, but he's, whatever it is, he just finds opportunities in whatever surrounds him, himself with. Um, he made the best out of it. Um, one day he could, he was a really good skier back then. Unfortunately, cerebral palsy, uh, um, was, uh, where his physical abilities decreased because of cerebral palsy. Um, and, uh, his feet got too crooked. So he could, he couldn't get in his ski boots anymore. And so he stopped skiing and, and, and he started painting because he wanted a new passion. He wanted, he, f- and, and, and he finds opportunity wherever he goes. Um, and I'll always remember that 
that um, that story actually. I was in 2006 Olympic. My first Olympic experience. Um, I finished the 11th. It was kind of a deception for me. Um, I was ranked second in the world at the, that uh, that day at the Olympics, so I was expected to actually uh, make a medal there. Um, um, but uh, a, pro- a year prior to that, I had a, a really crazy progression, and you were part of that progression, Scott. Um, a year prior to the Olympics, I was kind of probably ranked 200 in the world. <laughs> and, and, and at the Olympics, uh, a few months later, I was ranked second in the world. So obviously, expectation uh, changed drastically uh, throughout that period. Uh, I got to the Olympics. Uh, I didn't have the result that I wanted. Um, and uh, I finished the 11th. I was devastated. That's what, for the first time, where I understood what the Olympics were all about. And I was, I was devastated. And, and for me, the world stopped turning. Like everything was down. Like I couldn't grasp the idea that there's no tomorrow. There's no next week. Um, I need to wait four more years to have another 24, uh, have another shot, which is only 23 seconds. And you realize that what, whatever, ha- like what if uh, all those, what if thoughts, what if I get injured a week prior to the Olympics uh, in the next one, I'm going to wait eight years. Uh, what if I get, uh, uh, I, I screw up a little mistake. I'm going to eat, like, I'm going to be seen by all Canadian as a, as a, as kind of somebody that chokes on the big moments and Alex Bilodeau, oh, he had two Olympic chops and he did, couldn't grasp a medal. Uh, he can't really perform under pressure. Uh, but when you think about it, two Olympic experience for me is less than 23 seconds. It's less than a minute of my life. It's less than 50 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's Great. it's less than a minute. So it's yeah. it's kind of a I couldn't take that hit at the uh, in 2006 right after the the, the the game. So I was crying in the corner, and that evening I I, I when I saw my brother after after all of uh, after the event, I went for dinner with uh, with the family, and, and and my brother looked at me. He's like first time he saw me. He's like almost running to me, and he's like Alex congratulations i wanted to like he, he jumped on in my arms and i'm like fred did, like did you go to the restroom while i was skiing down and mom told you i won the olympics or what like did you watch it like how can you like and literally he was the only person in the in 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 the world that he could have said congratulations i wouldn't have slapped him but at this at that point he looked at me he says no 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 alex and i literally still to this day i don't understand how these words came out of somebody with several palsy, but that's how deep my brother is and uh, his understanding of, of, of life. He's like, no, no, no. Remember a year ago when you started working, I was started working with you and, uh, and Dominique and everybody was like, you know what, Alex, the, the Olympic games are, is a long shot. Like maybe put, not put that as a, as your, your top objective, but we'll try to make it. But if it happens, it happens. But that shouldn't be your objective. And that was only to qualify for the Olympics, not even to medal. And things changed drastically because I did like three podiums before the games. Uh, I won two times. Obviously, when you win the last race before the Olympics, then you expect uh, to, to do the same at the Olympics. But um, so my my objectives change a, a lot. My my So my expectation changed a lot. But when you realize, he says, no, you realized your objective of one year ago. Maybe, yes, you didn't realize your objective a week ago, but remember the one that you had, uh, like, said your me, like, it was still a short-term plan. And, and, and still, he says, not only that, but you had the best experience of all the other guys today because you've learned 
today and you'll be ready in four years. And, mm -hmm. and, and I was like, that's, I think that for me in my, in, in terms of skills wise, in terms of professionalism and in terms of uh, my career experience to get ready for, I think this experience of 2006 was probably one of the biggest lessons of my career. And even personal, personally wise, I think my brother brought me to a whole new level of understanding expectations that change opportunities that are presented to you. You grab, you, you take it and you move on. And, mm. and, and, and for me, that's, that's the best description that I, the, the best scenario that I could describe my brother. He's been like that for the for his whole life, grabbing opportunities, even if he knows it's not realistic, oh, we'll find something else to do and to make it fun, to make it worth it. So I think that's what we don't see in, in the people that has disabilities and that have limitations. They find other things that for us, maybe we don't have the creativity or we get bored or like stubborn about like, oh, why I, I'm not, or we, we lose, uh, I could say, we lose uh, confidence in ourselves instead of just working and make it happen. That's a beautiful story. I love that story. Um, to segue off that a bit, what do you think, do you think it was on reflection now, a better thing that you didn't win at those Olympics than, than if you had, do you think you would have, do you think you would have had the same kind of career if you had, had, had success at that Olympic games? Um, with step back, I think if I would have won 2000 and, or even medal at 2006, I don't think I would have had the same career. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely changed drastically as a person. I've learned a lot. It's easy to say at this point, but uh, maybe I would have had a, a, a good career, um, but I don't think I would have reacted the same way in Vancouver. Um, mm -hmm. Under the pressure at home, Olympics, my second Olympic experience, understanding what's stress, <clears throat> understanding myself within that stress, how, understanding how I can, uh, in, in, in a moment that you need to control your little lamster and put it in the right direction like set it at right where like in the in in the mind in the mindset that you're able to let leave your abilities at your, as its full potential like, and explore the best uh, run that you can do you need in, to be in the right state of mind and that's what all psychology is all about is putting yourself putting your mind in the right place where you're the most efficient um, and, uh, that's the work way I did with my sport psychologist for four years after that. And even at, in, in Torino, um, I, I don't think I understood what, the, uh, what, what sport psychology was, even though I started working with one, two years, two years prior to these games. I, for me, it was just chatting with somebody and, uh, things are going bad, things are good, good. So it's just, but there's more to it. It's learning about yourself. And I think I've learned a great deal about myself, um, at these Olympics. Wow. Yeah, it was funny. I was talking talking about your twenty the two times twenty three seconds of your life. I was talking to Dom Goche a while ago, and Dom has this analogy of being an Olympian, and he says, you know, imagine you're going to med school, and you come to med school, and there's sixty five kids in the room, and the teacher comes out first day and says, okay, in four years from now, uh, only one of you is going to be a doctor. How many of you would stay in in class? And, you know, most of us would say, uh, those aren't great odds. Why would yeah. I do that? So when you, I mean, and that's what you're faced with in some sense. And, and I'm mm -hmm. wondering when you reflect on that and just in reflecting in your earlier conversation, what, 
what creates the stubbornness in athletes like yourself to do what you do to 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 actually take that on and say i'm going to be the one doctor in the room that survives this next four years like how do you do that i think it's it's a mix of things it's obviously it's a mix of, of character um and for me also it was a mix of uh i knew i could become a better skier so as as much every time i i i I knew I could become a better skier. I wanted to know what's my next step. What's my next? Yes, I'm second in the world, but I was still frustrated because I knew I could have skied better and I knew I could have made it n- number one. And even sometimes I was finishing first, but I had some mistakes and I was the first one to, to come to my coach and say, okay, like why? Because tomorrow, I, if I do that same mistake, I won't stay number one. I need to be better at it. Um, and um, I think... The, the day, the, the, the last year that I skied at the Olympics, I finished my, uh, in 2014, I finished my season and I really had the feeling that I couldn't have become, I, I became the best skier I could have become. Yes, I could have keep going, keep being a, a, a more strong, keep being away from uh, injuries and keep my career running. But I felt that in 2014, I was the best skier I, I became. Uh, I, I was the best skier I ever been. And I, I obtained my, my, my top potential. Um, I think it was always about a mix of stubbornness and, and knowing where I'm going, knowing my path and knowing that I had an objective and knowing that I wanted to become the best that I could be. Mm, that's awesome. When you think about that in terms of advice to younger people in whatever professional world they're in, what, what do you think, um, that transcends to people that they should be focused on, you know, the goal or the process in your viewpoint. Um, it's, it's, it goals need to be set needs to be in a plan. Um, and then you create the process and you focus on each step of that process. You can't look at the top of the stairs and thinking, Oh, that's my next step. No, there's, a lot of steps, there's going to be ups and downs. And one day you'll start going down and then you're going to go back up. So uh, in my, in my, and I remember a sports psychologist told me one day, like, uh, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. Like you, yeah, yes, it's a little bit big. Might take you a few years, but let's start. Let's start with a like. <laughs> like, it's like, where do you start? You mm-hmm. need to have people around you. And I always seen a, a, an athlete as an entrepreneur. Um, you, you do have a plan and you do have an objective. You start creating your plan and where your plan is, is, is weak. That's where you surround yourself with the right people around you to make sure that plan is stronger and stronger and, 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 and that you're, it's going to be, it's going to lead you, um, with the fewer, <laughs> if I could say detours, but there's going to be bumps on the road. Um, and I think it's, it's the most, not, uh, not, all entrepreneurs, you, nobody can pretend to create an enterprise or create a, a business uh, alone. Um, they, f- they for sure had people around them. If, if uh, Scotty, you started your ma- many bus- businesses and uh, you might not have, you're a super brain in, in, uh, in, in terms of physiology, in terms of training, in term, you might not be a f- the, the most brain in, in, in terms of uh, finance. You might not be in terms of marketing. In terms, so you needed people to surround yourself with those things that complete your your skills wise to 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 make it the make it the best successful business story uh you can so uh, 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 
an athlete life, an athlete process is, I think, I believe the same thing, same way. You need to surround uh, yourself with the best people that fits with your mentality, that fits into your path, that fits in, that will build that foundation and that process. What did uh, being a big brother to Bea mean to you? Oh, I mean, uh, Bea is, uh, she's uh, my little sweetheart. She's uh, obviously, she was super talented. Um, and uh, I looked at her like, oh my God, I wish I got that talent. Uh, but uh, I mean, it was always ups and downs. It's like uh, the same story as any brother and sister. Um, and, and, and Beatrice, unfortunately uh, on, for her, on sometimes she was fortunate to be the brother of. Uh, and on, on other times, it was harder for her, obviously. Um, always thinking, always, everybody talks about your brother, your brother. Um, but she had other opportunities um, and she had harder times. Um, if what, uh, I mean, with ifs, we don't know what if would have been with for Beatrice without uh, me in front of her. Uh, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's part of life. And I think she did a great, uh, she did the best she could in, in, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, pushing her career, pushing her limits. And uh, unfortunately, she wasn't fortunate like me uh, to, 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 to stay away from injuries um, at an early stage in her career. Um, and she had a few bumps on the road, which made, made it harder. Uh, but now I'm so proud of her. She, uh, she, kept, uh, she decided to retire and, and move on to another professional career, which is uh, she's uh, uh, in law. Uh, now she's a law practitioner in Montreal um, in a big firm, and uh, she's uh, having a, prom- a, a really, uh, pro- a really good career in front of her. Um, so it's um, I'm really, really proud of her. Um, she made uh, really good choices, and uh, she could have tried and being stubborn and tried and tried and tried in, in terms of, of of skiing, but she had limits in, t- in terms of injuries. So, but um, I'm a really proud brother to see her. Uh, become a lawyer before I became an accountant. (laughs) (laughs) But talk about, um, you know, the process of one of the things I really admired about yourself and, and Jen, when um, I was coaching you guys was uh, your dedication to your educational pathway as well, because that can sometimes drop off for a lot of athletes and you stayed that course. Now I know that was, you know, there was a big influence of your father in that and, and, and yourself, um, how hard was that? And at the same time, how important was that to you? Um, there's two aspects to it. I think obviously it was hard. Like, well, you know, you've been on the road with us. It's you, you wake up at uh, 6.30 in the morning. Uh, you go up uh, skiing on the mountain, uh, on the glacier. You're there until one o'clock. You come down, quick lunch, sometimes a little nap if you're you have time, then you go to the gym, then grocery, then uh, video analysis, dinner, physio, massage. By the time it's like nine, uh, eight, nine o'clock, obviously it's easier to open Netflix um, in your bed. Um, and uh, on day offs, you, you do have time too. You work three days on, one day off all the time. So you do have time. Um, but it's obviously it's, it's harder to open books and open and, 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 but I always seen it, uh, two things. First is, uh, I think my parents, uh, put that in my mind that, uh, I, I wanted that, that I was going to be proud to have an, another career to define myself, not only as Alex this year, but Alex that did something else after that. Alex had that new, new, a new career that Alex, uh, went and, 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 
and uh, got a new career or got new uh, new objectives in something else and got good at it. Um, and uh, so for me, that was a, a little bit of that uh, proudness. Um, but also, I always find it was good for me to not only have uh, one problem, you know, like only mm. thinking about skiing, only thinking about the competition that happened, only thinking about the problems that I had up there um, on, on the slopes, only pro- like thinking about the injury, how I'm going to make it, uh, how it's going to hurt, but like, or how are we, am I going to be okay to, to be, uh, to be, uh, on, on, on that course without having uh, to take too many pills or whatever. It's it, having other problems, knowing that, you know what, if I only focus on skiing, I'm not going to get, be, be ready for my, uh, exam next week. I really need to put my head, uh, around something else. Um, and having various problems give me a little bit more balance, I mm. think. Um, and, uh, having uh, my focus somewhere else was, I think, uh, really, uh, uh, really good for me, um, in terms of balance. That's cool. I'm going to segue, I'm going to use that moment to segue to something I do in my podcast. I discovered a book a while back called the day you were born okay. and it's a mix of astrology and numerology written by a woman named Linda Joyce. I kind of discovered my purpose in it when I, when I read it. I'll tell you the story, the long-winded version of the story at some other time when we're having a beer. But anyways, basically, uh, you're born uh, September 8th, so yep. you're a Virgo 8. Okay. And it says your purpose is to learn to balance your responsibilities, helping others but not depleting or limiting yourself, to use your faith and your spirit to overcome obstacles and to teach others that nothing is impossible when you're focused and believe in yourself there is enough for everyone's need but not everyone's greed gandhi strength courage and hard work are a piece of cake for virgo 8 they easily take on tasks that make others cringe and perform them with little effort either they look for all the answers from within or don't trust their uh, instincts few really know them Control is important to know, to have it when they will keep their, sorry, to have it, they will keep their world small. Gifted with either faith or a lack of it, they have a talent for self-scrutiny, which can translate into self-criticism. Gifted with insight into the human mind, they make great psychologists. When it comes to relationships, they want someone to be hurt, to be hard on them. Their challenge is to believe in themselves. True. Yeah, there's a lot really, of pretty, pretty damn accurate. <laughs> I read it to most people, and about nine times out of ten, they kind of go, "Whoa, that's pretty crazy." Yeah. <laughs> so your connection with psychology in the end has probably uh, got something to do with your uh, spirit as well. That's cool. Definitely, we'll have to tell that to uh, Wayne. He, kn- he knows me <laughs> deeply, uh, and he would probably approve all of this. <laughs> Um, I, I told you I didn't want to spend a lot of time on the, on, on all the, the ski stuff, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a couple questions about, you know, the two experiences. You win the gold medal, first gold medal at the Olympic Games in Vancouver, first time any Canadians done it on home soil, and then you win a second one. What, what are those two experiences in your mind and how do they differ and, and, how, and you know, what do they feel like in, in, in comparison to one another? I mean, um, I, I don't spend too much time and think, uh, thinking, talking about the first gold medal on Canadian soil. 
for me, it's a timing uh, thing. Um, and uh, it could have been Jen. Um, it could have been Cindy Klassen. It could have been uh, Avery Gay. could have been uh, the next one. I can't remember who was the, the following person after me. Uh, but um, at, in, in my mind, it's, uh, it's my, my first Olympic gold medal uh, in my career. I would def- simply define it as uh, it wasn't my best run of my career. Um, it was the best run probably that day at that moment uh, in those conditions. Um, and it was a dream coming true, like doing it at home, doing laying down that run in front of all Canadians, in front of your family, friends, and the, the vibe of the crowd was just amazing. And, and, and realizing a, a, a child, a kid's dream, and I kind of had flashback walking onto that, uh, into that flower ceremony, like, and, and walking onto that podium, like that, oh my God, I had a flashback of Jean-Luc winning the Olympics in the Lammer in 94. And I'm, you're, I'm like, it's me. I can't believe it. It's <laughs> like, I'm actually dreaming, not dreaming or what? Um, and so it's, I lived, I lived Vancouver a little bit that way. Um, but Sochi, for me, uh, as you as you know, uh, Sochi was probably or the the last the four last year of my career were probably uh, some of the most challenges uh, challenging uh, years. Um, uh, a lot of things happened. I was challenged. Uh, um, I took a year off, which was um, which put myself in thoughts many times, but it was definitely a good step back. And and we made uh, and, and and you and and the team made sure that I became a a better athlete uh, first become a, before I, be, I was a better skier. Uh, and um, I, I focused a little bit more on my studies also, but it was the challenge also because uh, of the rules in my sport changed uh, throughout my year off. Uh, instead of having one final, it became two finals, three finals at the Olympics, uh, final runs, which is kind of adding four periods to uh, three periods to, to a hockey game. Uh, so it's definitely <laughs> plays with your strategy there. So, uh, and uh, there was that uh, back then that kid that he's not a kid anymore, Mikael, which uh, definitely pushed, um, pushed me uh, in any way possible. Um, and uh, definitely he's part of the, the skier I became because without him, I would have never pushed myself that far. I think I, I, I discover a whole new level that I could, I could push myself. Uh, because of, of Mikael. Um, and uh, it's fun to see that he's, he's still going at it and still bringing the sport to the next level of it today. But um, so definitely this uh, was, uh, was four, four challenging, challenging years. But uh, to come back to your question, um, Sochi for me was uh, just, uh, I, had, I had the last goal that I wanted. It was not only to, actually not to defend my medal, it was to actually go out there and lay down the best performance I could. And I knew that if I was laying down the best performance I could, maybe one other guy in the world could beat me. And it was Mick, but I knew I could have put the pressure on him. And I knew that in any given day, I, if I lay down that performance that I can, that I, 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 I was able to do a few times in training that, Oh my God, I, I, I'm going to be in that position. And uh, that was really my, whatever I was going to hit at the Olympics, whatever is going to be a good performance or bad performance. I knew it was my last. Um, and I knew it was my last season. Um, I just wanted to, to, to see how far I could go and laying down that run, uh, with the challenges I had on that, uh, that day, 
uh, with the food poisoning the day before, with uh, the the with the like with with my little mistake with the sticky snow on the first final run and coming back to third position and then first uh, on the final last run um, and I went like I went back to 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 um, to Mike uh, on my last uh, the, uh, on my last run and say Mike that's the time to go balls to the wall it's it's all or nothing now. Um, and we're not going and, and, and laying down that run. Um, and you know, when we do training throughout the whole week, because we, we often have a few days of training on, on that slope, uh, before the Olympics. And we always test how fast can we go on that, on that ski hill? How, like even with straight jumps, like what is the physical limit of that, uh, that slope? And literally we know, we, we know the time of all the athletes out there and Mick, uh, and all the other athletes, myself included, nobody went under 23 seconds that day, or that for the whole week. Nobody could make it under 23 seconds, under 24 seconds. And literally on my final run, I just went down, had almost a perfect run that I, I crossed the finish. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't, I can't recall any mistakes coming down. And I'm, I'm like thinking as I'm crossing that finish line, if there's one thing the judge will will get me is I I think I I felt I felt I felt slow, but then I turn around and I look at the time twenty three sixty or twenty three eighty something. I'm like, what? I'm under twenty four seconds. <laughs> I tried to do that in str- doing straight jumps and I couldn't. And everybody nobody could do that this week. And definitely uh, this this moment, knowing that I performed that 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 run with that time at that moment was probably the proudest moment of my career Uh Uh, before I knew Mikael was still up there and I didn't even knew I I just in my mind it was just mission accomplished um Uh when I when I saw that time I'm like whatever Mick can do um if if he can win uh, more than that if he can do better than that run he deserves two gold medal like seriously like I can't do better it was, it was literally, I couldn't do better on that course. And that feeling, I don't think I had that feeling many times in my career. I don't think I maybe one or twice, uh, one, one, one or twice more, um, that I really felt on a competition day, you know what today I couldn't have done more. So, and it was doing it at the Olympics. It was just a, 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 a moment that, uh, I think made, uh, made, uh, my decision a lot easier of retiring after that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe, as I remember, Mick ran last. Um, what was the? St- you're standing at the bottom. Do you watch the whole run? And if you watch the whole run, what was going on in your mind while you were watching that run? When did you know you won? Yeah, I, I when I saw that time, I knew I was going to be one or two. Like I, I knew that nobody else could 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 beat uh, that time and that, that no mistakes with the degree of difficulty that I just did. Um, and there was Mick or nothing. Um, there was a one other Canadian. Um, I was cheering for them also, but I knew we know, we all know each other's uh, routine. And I knew Mick, I, I hate when I'm up there. I don't watch other athletes. I don't watch, I don't like to watch other runs. I don't like to hear the result. I don't like to hear. I'm focused on whatever I have to do. Mick loves to hear everything. Mick's listen to, he's listening to the TV, analyzing everything, trying to even learn from the other actors. Everybody's different and it works for him very well, actually. But uh, I knew he was watching up there and I knew with, it was his first Olympic experience. And in my mind, I was like, 
hopefully he didn't watch it too much because if he, he hears that time, it's going to play in his mind for sure. It's his first Olympic experience and he hears that t- impossible time that like, so he probably is thinking that I've done a mistake, but obviously he, he saw on TV that I haven't done any mistakes for, so it doesn't add up in his mind. So I'm in my mind, I'm like in the couch. I'm like, Mick is probably freaking out right now. <laughs> 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 and then you and then the the gold medal is won good on you so that was that was a cool experience to watch you do those two things and be a part of it uh, so you you make that decision when did you really make the decision to retire was it you knew you knew that when it was done you were done and or did it take you a little while to really think the, my real process of thinking <clears throat> when i was going to re- I, I thought retiring after vancouver and i actually did a bet with the uh, with the uh, with Jennifer Al, that uh, I wasn't going to go to, to the next Olympics. Um, and, uh, but after Vancouver, I decided to do one more season and think about it. Um, and then the following season, I decided to retire, uh, to, to uh, take a year off. But uh, before that year off, I, I, my analysis of deciding retiring or not was, uh, will I have any regrets? And I, I, I always uh, do my analysis that way of not having any regrets in life. Um, whatever it's to get ready for a race, to make sure that when I'll be up there on the top of the course, that I'll do every sacrifice in my power that if shit happens or if things doesn't go my way is I won't have any regrets because I knew I did my own works. I knew I did the best I could. So putting that mentality into my uh, career decision, if I'm retiring or not, I was like, when I'll be 60 or 70 and I'll look at my grandkids and I'll be, yeah, grandpa was an Olympic champion, but uh, could have been twice Olympic champion, but decided to retire and become an an accountant uh, at 22 years old. (laughs) But uh, I thought I was still young. Um, Obviously there's the pros and cons of putting work experience in my new career, professional career in finance um, aside to pursue a goal, which is the, uh, to, to go back to the Olympics and try to, to be a better skier and try to win another Olympic gold medal. Um, and there's that risk of not things happening the, the way I want of, because of injury, because of performance, because of many other things that could happen in, that, in those four years. So you're, I'm, I'm gambling four years of experience for maybe no result. But in my mind, I was still um, 22 years old, um, 26 wasn't that bad if to turn around. Uh, but I knew that at 26, putting four more years of experience aside to go for another, it, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't worth the risk of going for four more years. Um, and probably not having another gold medal. Um, and, uh, so it's, for me, it's just, it's just keep going that same direction, working hard, at the, uh, through my, 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 through my career and skiing, but, I, I was ready to move on and achieve new things in life. Um, so it was always a pros and cons uh, of uh, my, my, my future career and my actual career uh, uh, as an athlete. So, so you, finish, you finish your career, great career that it was, and you decide to become a CA and you do it. Um, congratulations. And then you get into business. What do, you, what do you like about what you're doing now? What, do you, what, do, what inspires you in the work that you're doing now? 
Now I work in transactional services. So um, we do financial due diligence, corporate finance for the buy, uh, buy side or sell side of a transaction. Um, and the, what I like uh, about it's, it's, we're always on an adrenaline rush. We're always on deadlines. There's transaction coming in and, and, and there's, there's uh, often a lot of money implicated, very big uh, implications. Um, and you, I never know what's coming my way when I get to the office. Um, sometimes I feel like, oh, you know what? We're okay. We're okay. And something happens. And then we become super under rush and I go home at 2 a.m. And then, but it's just, I, I add that, I had that need of not like that adrenaline rush and that, uh, you know, you know what, you never know what's, what's coming your way. Um, I think that's what really uh, motivates me. It's, it's more finance than accounting, actually what, what we do. Uh, but it's uh, it, it really keeps me on my toe. Um, and um, so I get that adrenaline rush a little bit. Yes, there's harder and longer times in front of my Excel files, but uh, it's part of, it's part of it. And uh, yeah, so. So you're, uh, you know, you mentioned the beginning, a, a plan and a goal. And so what is, what do you see as your sort of global goal for, for yourself professionally now? Where do you want to go with this? What do you, what do you, where do you want to take it? Uh, I mean, uh, I'm definitely looking at the, at various paths. I think right now, uh, in, at KPMG, we're focusing them in market, uh, and there's uh, more opportunities maybe in the larger markets with banking, uh, opportunities with private equity, uh, maybe going to New York and, or, or London for, for a year or two in, in, in the big leagues, like we called. Um, and, uh, maybe if you come back here in Montreal, uh, after a few years and then, uh, uh, work for a family office or private equity year. I think there's a lot of uh, activity right now. Um, and there's a lot of BB boomers selling their business and consolidating markets. And, um, so it's very interesting how it goes. Um, so we'll see. I have a kind of my, in my mind of uh, a little pathways, but uh, I'm open to opportunities and listening, but I have a kind of, uh, I kind of know, uh, my next steps, uh, a little bit, but, uh, it could vary, but, uh, I have a direction. <laughs> if you were to bump into the Alex Bilodeau that your brother jumped on and, and, and that moment after that first Olympic games, what would you say to him? Um, I would have say, uh, you know what, like, uh, works for like good things happen to people that are ready to put the time in, to work and, and have that work ethic and surround themselves with the right people. Um, and, uh, you're when, when I was looking at myself in 2006, if I, with that comment, I was, I would have thought, you know what, I'm in a really, really good position, even though I actually had the biggest, uh, challenge of my, of, of one of the biggest challenge of my life of understanding what the Olympics were and, 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 and knowing that there's no tomorrow and I had probably, I thought the, 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 the whole world was stopping. I was in a really, really good position. I had a tremendous uh, people around me. I had the best in what they did. Uh, and that was fitting with my character that was adapting themselves to my character, to my, to my personality. And we were all aiming in the right direction. And I think that's why we were uh, all successful together. Awesome. Last question, <clears throat> which I ask everybody, um, Someday you're going to pass from this earth. I hope it's not for a long time, but how would you like people to remember you? Uh, it's a good question. 
Good question. But Jen, uh, Jen hated this question, by the way. Yeah, good question. <laughs> um, I think uh, for somebody that uh, was driven by this objective, but was uh, uh, giving away, not giving away, was uh, atten- attentionate and, and with his family, with people around him. And, and, and I think it's, it's all about people that are close to me. Um, they're the people that are most important in my life. And uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, that's, that's not, it's not as an Olympic champion or as anything. It's just, just uh, we all, with the people that were with me, uh, we, all, uh, we all went and, and got it. Um, whatever it's me helping them or them helping me. Um, they brought me to a net to the next level and I want to bring the people around me to the next level. That's what's uh, important to me. Awesome. Beautiful finish. Thanks buddy. Thanks for taking the time. It's really good to chat with you again and selfishly part of doing this podcast is I get to uh, carve out 45 minutes to an hour with people that I enjoy talking to. It was good to see (laughs) you. It's always uh, fun to see you and hopefully we'll see you soon uh, when I come around in trauma. All right, buddy. Be good. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.